Hello, and welcome to Believe It, Achieve It. I am your host, Nicole Winley, and I believe everyone should be living the life of their dreams. This show is going to be a weekly dose of magic to help guide you to living your best life. When you feel good, then success in all areas of your life is easy to achieve. I love to empower people to discover their dreams and to ignite their lives. This show will be full of personal development stories and skills to help you take your life to the next level. My guests will be health and wellness experts and amazing spiritual beings, as well as everyday people with stories and lessons to help guide you through the ups and downs and help you get one step closer to living the life of your dreams. I want this podcast to be real and unpolished, full of honesty to show the realness of life. Here's to living your best life with gratitude and love. Are you ready? Let's get started. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Believe It, Achieve It. I am your host, Nicole Winley, and I can't, you know, you guys, I say it every time. When I stop saying I'm so excited for my next guest is when Believe It, Achieve It is no longer in existence, but I am (laughs) so unbelievably excited. I've been waiting and wanting to have her on my show for a long, long time, and I guess it was just my almost insecurity of reaching out. So welcome, welcome to the show, Catherine Ann Wilson, this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful soul that I have had the privilege to get to know through social media. Social media can be our friend. Oh, so (laughs) I have to tell everyone that we have been chatting for 45 minutes before we hit record. Um, (laughs) And we did drop some amazing magic. I hope it comes back up. I was like, oh, what? I wish we were recording. I wish we were recording. But for whatever reason, we were not. So welcome, Catherine. Do you like Catherine Ann or Catherine? I go both ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always going to be Catherine Ann to me because, and I'll tell you, we were all just, do, or Catherine and I and 300,000 other people across the, <laughs> the world were just it doing. A, it was an intimate group. <laughs> we're just a small little group. We were doing Tony Robbins, New World, New You Challenge last week for five days. And then, of course, Tony has to over-deliver and comes back for a bonus day. But those of you who have never been to a Tony event, we do a lot of dancing and we're celebrating. And I'm in my living room listening to Tony and dancing around. It was at a dancing part. And I hear, Catherine Ann Wilson's got the moves. And I was like, ah, I know her. I know her. (laughs) So you're always going to be Catherine Ann Wilson because Tony Robbins. (laughs) Well, the the secret is, because it's just, you know, you and I here. The secret is, is that only the coolest people call me Catherine Ann. Oh, it's really and Tony, Tony called you. And he called me Catherine. Ann. And to hear one of my heroes in this lifetime, Tony Robbins, say my name, surely somebody out there has that recorded because I've got to just do that one little snippet so that because we were all dancing and he, and he sees us, you know, on this big virtual thousands of people on this virtual board in his basement and he's watching people dance and sometimes he calls out their name. And so he was like, Catherine Ann Wilson, you've got the moves, right? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I want to start my day with <laughs> doing my priming and hear him say that. Like, I want to make that my alarm. <laughs> we got to find it. Somebody for sure. I bet you we can reach out to them. 
Did right? I, I, you know what? I was a VIP, so I think I have it. I just need to like go back and, and find it. So, <laughs> you know, it was so cool that you asked me to be a part of your podcast. You know, I think that what you're doing and the guests that you have are just the coolest and I feel like I get to be a part of the in crowd who gets asked to be on your podcast. So I'm so grateful. And that 45 minutes that we just had girl talk, you know, it was just like, you know, like we've known each other forever. And that's the energy that you give to your guests of just, hey, we're just a couple gals having a cup of coffee and, and having coffee talk. <laughs> right? right? Hey, I'm a Southern girl. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll have coffee talk with you anytime. Lemon water talk. <laughs> Lemon water talk every morning. Yeah. And I'll tell you, so we mentioned Tony. We touched on Tony. Tony is my biggest mentor, my teacher, one of your biggest, if not your biggest mentor and teacher. And the beauty of social media, right? We also touched on that because so many people hate on social media right now. I love social media because you know what? I get to connect with beautiful, amazing people like you. And I was in, I don't even know what group I was in, but COVID brought out a lot of masterminds and a lot of Zooms and a lot of everything. And I heard Catherine Ann's story and I was mesmerized and I thought, wow, I want to be around her. I want to know her. I want to help. What can I do? What can I do? And then you just started popping up in all kinds of groups and things I was in. So that is this beautiful world that we live in, this universe speaking to us when we're, when we're present, we live for the moment, and we are aware, then beautiful things happen. Absolutely. And, you know, COVID was a big blow for everybody. You know, that, that initial shock, like, is this really happening? And then, you know, how are we going to work? How are we going to go to school? How are we going to connect with people? Oh my gosh, I'm stuck at home with somebody I don't like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and is the world coming to an end and is it real? And is the apocalypse happening now? And, and then all these conspiracy theories and, you know, and, and how you choose to move forward in crisis, you know, Tony talks about, you know, winter or dark night of the soul or whatever you want to call it. And there are people like you and I and so many, you know, hundreds of thousands of others who really want to see the good in life, want to see hope, want to be a part of the change. And then we were just sort of all attracted to the light, you know, like the moth going to the light. (laughs) And so we were on some of the same groups and like, okay, how can we use this time that we're in quarantine for good? You Mm. know, well, we can come together and we can do a mastermind. We can use this time for self-growth. We can use this time for global connection. And one of the cool things about the Tony Tribe and other organizations like the Tony Tribe world is being able to connect. Thank God for Zoom. Like this didn't happen, Mm-mm. you know, five years ago when there wasn't Zoom. You know, this happened while we have Zoom. So as a an educator around human trafficking, sex trafficking, and child sexual abuse prevention, I do my work as a public speaker in front of groups of human beings. And I was like, okay, I had, you know, this, all of these, you know, each year I've been my nonprofit six years old and each year I just keep growing exponentially. And this year I had like some big speaking engagements in front of, you know, hundreds of people. And I was like, how am I going to, how am I going to pivot? And one of the blessings from our groups is everybody saying that everybody coming together and saying, okay, 
this is what's going down. Here's what we know. Here's what we know for sure. Here's what we don't know for sure. How are we going to pivot? And as those conversations were happening, the state of Maine Department of Education called and said, hey, we have to pivot as well. That, that wasn't their languaging, but they said, you know, we're going to use this opportunity to do a month-long training with various organizations across the state around child abuse prevention. Would you please start this month-long training process by being our, our first speaker out of the gate? Would you do a PowerPoint presentation on what is sex trafficking and educate the educators across the state. Wow. That is how my COVID pivot with my nonprofit happened. And that was just a, an amazing, amazing gift to be able to do that. Wow, that's beautiful. That's awesome. And so I didn't get to set, set that up yet, Catherine. <laughs> but you are a survivor of sex trafficking <laughs> and the executive director at Stop Trafficking U.S., right? Correct. Yep. And your story is incredible to hear what you've been through, how you overcame what you went through, and what you've created, and what you're continuing to create and do for the sex trafficking world (laughs) that we live in. So, um, yeah. There's There's a beautiful progression in life that we, not to keep like going back to Tony, but <laughs> we yeah. like Tony. Can you like tell <laughs> So, you know, there's this, you know, stuff happens, right? Life happens. And, uh, and I don't know of a single woman who hasn't had some sort of trauma, you know, and there's no, there's no competition. You mm-hmm. know, somebody was raped once somebody was raped and held prisoner. You know, remember those four ladies and, or was it three? Ladies oh, I will never in forget Ohio, mm-hmm. right. In Ohio. For 10 years, like it isn't about what happened to you. It's about um, how you responded to it. And everybody has, you know, how they respond to it is, is a little different or the same, or, you know, you respond how you respond. And we have to do our work around that. So we have stuff that happens and then we have to do our own healing work. So for me, it was 20 years of horrific, consistent abuse. No drugs or alcohol were involved in that that time, but my first time being abused was by a school administrator in first grade. Wow. And, um, but I, you know, I was in a home of mom and dad that loved each other very much. I was conceived in love. I was born into a loving home. There was no alcoholism or violence or anything like that. There was just an opportunistic school administrator who took advantage of my parents being distracted by my, and rightfully so, my little brother was very sick when he was born and my parents were looking that way. And the predator is, they're always offenders or opportunistic. He saw an opportunity and he went for it. And then as is true for so many survivors, once you've been abused, it's sort of like blood in the water of sharks. And If anybody's been on a farm and your dog has gone in heat and you're out in the middle of nowhere, somehow all these male dogs are coming from 20 miles away because they know that your dog's in heat. When you are sexually abused, it is like there is some sort of cosmic signal that goes out into Mm. the um, universe and people start popping up out of 
out of everywhere. And it's, you know, it is the babysitter. It is the big brother, uncle, or father of the little girl that is your friend. It is, you know, an aunt. It is, you know, an older girl. It is, you know, and so that's what happened to me. And I was molested repeatedly. And then at school, I was being bullied because I behaved differently Mm. than the other kids. And so from 12 to 17, most of that time, I was a runaway living out on the street. At points in my life, I was eating out of dumpsters, shoplifting for food, shoplifting for clothes. I was arrested. I think I was 13 or 14 something for stealing a towel. I would live in forts in the woods. I would break into apartment buildings or find condos that, you know, were under construction. And, um, you know, I wanted to take a bath. So I stole a towel and, you know, was arrested for shoplifting. So from 12 to 17, I was, you know, living on the street. And at first I would sleep in those different places. And then I would exchange uh, survival sex you know, I would exchange. Yeah, you were surviving. I would for something to eat, sex for a place to live, and at first I would go with people that I thought were my friends. So when I was younger, that twelve, thirteen year period, I would stay with kids my age. And what I learned is that when you are couch surfing at that age, and those parents aren't calling the police, aren't calling child welfare, aren't calling your parents. There's a reason. (laughs) Right? I know. It's like, oh, what? And the reason is they're putting their hand over my mouth in the middle of the night and dragging me out of my bed into a hallway, a bathroom, wherever, and molesting me, so raping me. So I stopped doing that and started doing, you know, started breaking into buildings and that. And then at 15, I was so malnutritioned that I had stopped menstruating. Wow. And at 15, I met a couple of girls, older girls, and they were in an apartment and they were like, hey, they gave me um, macaroni and cheese peas with uh, tuna fish in it. And I was so hungry that when I ate that food, I could feel it hitting my bloodstream And they were saying, hey, you're having sex anyway. You know, you might as well get paid for it. That's what Mm. we do. We have our own apartment. We have our own clothes. We have this fantastic, really glamorized. We have food. (laughs) We have food. They had me at the food part. And they said, we have a boyfriend. He makes sure we get our, like, they never said prostitution. They never said, Mm. they never said whatever. And so I'm like, sure, you know, I'm giving it away or just getting a, a couch, it'd be great if I got an apartment, you know. And then once I said yes to that, then a really horrific life began. But the first 20 years was, you know, that sort of thing. And then the next 20 years was all about surviving the surviving. And anybody Mm. that's gone to war knows that um, no matter what action you saw in war, that is nothing like what happens to you when you come home and your mind thinks you're safe. It is when you feel safe that it really hits the fan. And that's when the post-traumatic stress starts, the night terrors begin, agoraphobia. For me, my panic was debilitating. And, and I mentioned there was no drugs or alcohol. For whatever reason, a blessing, I see it as a blessing. I, right. could, I could not tolerate 
If I could have smoked a joint and drank a margarita with everybody else, I would have. It wasn't any other reason other than when I smoked a joint, it was like a bad acid trip. Anything I did was like a bad acid trip. So I didn't like it. I didn't like drinking. I didn't like drugs of any kind. I tried different things. Nothing made me feel better. So I didn't Mm. do anything. And how that translated to the next 20 years was that I also could not tolerate antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication. So I had to white knuckle my surviving the surviving and figure out other ways to deal with my symptoms and my growth. So working out, nutrition, Tony, so many things that uh, rebirthing, energy work, the Hoffman process, landmark education, gestalt therapy, group meetings, experiential processes, individual processes, all these different things. And also trying to learn some job skills because I had never gone to high school. Oh, right. In my 30s, I went on to national sales and I was making a six-figure income. Wow. When I was 40, I bought my dream home. I'd done these vision boards and it was- Vision boards work. They work. Vision boards, (laughs) they work. And it made no sense because I'm living in a studio apartment in Kansas with a love seat that pulled out to a twin bed. And I've got vision boards of living in Maine on a lake with- you know, with books and a dog and, you know, animals. And, you know, that made no logical sense. But when I turned 40 years old, I bought a $347,000 home and put $50,000 cash down. Wow. By myself. Wow. Without, without, you know, I mean, I started skipping in junior high. So that's incredible. Just, it was just incredible. And then the last, you know, I'll be 57 in April. In the last 10 years of my life, it's been, knock on wood, it's been like 12 years since I've had a panic attack or a post-traumatic stress episode or night tears. And that is just, I wake up happy every morning because I'm (laughs) not out of my skin, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And when you were talking about not taking antidepressants and things like that in your healing journey. I did the same thing in my healing journey. I was like, I'm not masking it with medication and the work is hard. It's not easy, but the beauty on the other side of that hard work, it's amazing, right? It is amazing. And I have to just do a little caveat here. That <laughs> there are there are some people who depression isn't, it's not a situational depression. It's a biological depression. Mm-hmm. And those people really do need serotonin. They really yes. do need, because it is a brain thing. It's like, does an epileptic need to take medication? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, like there are times that medication is necessary, but I was able to work through mine. And the women in my family have a low grade depression. Mm-hmm. Just, they just yeah, have me too. that. <laughs> and I've been able to... I have to be proactive. So I take my vitamin D every day. I have my happy light that I use in the morning. I mean, it's not like I ignore it. I take good care of myself. I know it exists and I do things to take care of it. Yes. I can't, I can't Doing take the things. Tylenol. I can't do Novocaine. It's just, 
God. I mean, I live in Florida. I am blessed. I am a native Floridian. So I get my happy light every day. Naturally. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> and you know, I took it for granted. I always say, I, I, again, I was born in Pensacola. I have grown up in Jacksonville, Florida, and I do live out near the beach and I have lived out near the beach for probably the past 20 years. And I so took it for granted. You know, here I'm driving along the coastline every day and not even thinking about it. But when I healed and when I said there's got to be something more to life and I found it, it's like every time I drive over the intercoastal, I'm just like, ah, I live here. Look at the sun. Look at the cloud. Look at the water. I live here. I live here. I live here. Yay. And I feel like so many people just like take it for granted. I did. I did for so many years. I didn't even think twice about it. And people will, will save their whole lifetime to go to the beach for a week on vacation, you know, and your little paradise that you live in. We had, (laughs) I told you that I went to, is it Sabago Lake? Sabago. Sabago Lake for a wedding. And it was the most beautiful, magical weekend. I don't want to say of my life, but it was a beautiful, magical weekend. And so now we're going to plan a retreat there, right? Yes, we are. And you know, I used anybody to, who's in, <laughs> I used to live in Florida. I lived in uh, West Palm and then Boca Raton every winter and then Maine in the summertime. Oh, wow. I always, I always wanted to live someplace year round as a child. I didn't appreciate the moving back and forth. It for, for a child perspective, how you make friends and the friends you play with during the summer and I felt like that was a part of the bullying was, you know, not having that, that root of, of consistency going back and forth, back and forth every year. And now as a postmenopausal woman, I get it. I understand. Owning it. Owning it. <laughs> right. I understand. And now um, this is usually the time of year that we're in the Caribbean where, you know, we're someplace where the sun is shining, but I do the same, the same thing here. And I try to do that when it's like today, it's nine degrees. So oh. I, I try to do that during January, February, March, April, May. <laughs> right. This is, this is when I plan my vacation usually uh, because I wake up and I, like you, I get to live here. Like this is magical. Like I am so grateful to God that I get to live here. And even now it's a winter wonderland. It's cold, but it's beautiful. And it's okay to plan my vacation over in your neck of the woods. You are welcome here anytime. I hate to say this, but I'm like cold and it's 55. (laughs) It's 55 here and it is the most magical sunshine day today. I mean, the sun is just out, just beaming in all its glory. And uh, those are my favorite day. But to me, like, (laughs) it's winter. I'm cold. I'm cold at 55 degrees, but I'm inviting myself to your place. I already told you the cabana love awaits you. You guys, you guys have to go follow her on social media because she takes us on these little journeys with her, these little walks and adventures that she has a cabana at the end of your dock. Yes. On the lake. I mean, are you kidding me? She sleeps out there with her dogs. So I can, can I bring Duke? (laughs) So, you know, it's the 150 foot dock and it's, we don't, we don't bring that one in. So my husband, so what happened was I saw in Pottery Barn, this picture of a cabana and it was like $8,000 or something. And I showed Charlie and I said, 
you know, we could probably make something like this, right? Or whatever. And he just sort of, you know, half paid attention. And, and I went for my run. And when I came back 45 minutes later, he had taken just junk wood that we had. And he made a four post beautiful bed with, um, with, I'm putting that on my vision board. I'm putting your bed on your dock on my vision board. And then I put, we put the white shower curtains. So it looks like billowing curtains. And then he did the sawzall and did a big red heart and put a big red heart on each side. So no matter what, which way the boat's coming or we're looking from the house, you see this red heart. And then we ran an extension cord, two extension cords all the way out. So I can have my electric blanket if it's cold. I can Uh. have coffee pot out there. I can have a light. I can plug in my phone. (laughs) And at night I'm watching shooting stars and you know, wow. I'm out there, if it's not raining, I'm out there. So maybe 40, you know, once we get to 40 degrees and I start, you know, coming in, you know. That's I, deep winter for me. That's right. Well, it's only 10 <laughs> degrees less than what you're at right now. <laughs> right. But the sun's shining. Yeah. The big difference. And, you know, so that's the thing. Like the past 10 years, I've been with Charlie for 10 years. And, you know, this has been the best time of my life. And back in those, in that, you know, the 20, those first 20 years, I never mm-hmm. could have conceived of where, where I would be now. And then the second 20 years when I was doing the healing work, you know, I had vision boards, but I was still, you know, trying to get through every day, pushing myself. Tony Robbins had these, every month he would send you a, a CD of these conversations that he would have with brilliant minds all over the world. If it was, if it was the latest in health, if it was the latest in business, personal relationships, personal growth, whatever. And I was like white knuckling. I was a national salesperson. So I was like trying to breathe and talk myself into, you know, from point A to point B. And I would distract myself by listening to Tony's interviews and tell myself, okay, just go to this first appointment And then at that first appointment, if you want to like go back home and hide in the corner, you can. And then Mm. that would get me to the next appointment. And I became the top selling salesperson for my industry in the country. Wow. White knuckling it. And I would be afraid on the plane, you know, that what if thinking with people who've got post-traumatic stress disorder, I'd be on a plane and I would have a cassette tape that I would listen to my Walkman, (laughs) Right. right? And just totally aging myself. And I would listen to these tapes to try to like calm down because I was afraid, what if I go crazy and open the escape door? What if I have a massive a panic attack and I lose my mind oh my and I open the hatch door and I kill everybody and all, you know, all this stuff. And then, okay, go back to my breathing, go back to my breathing. And <laughs> it was just being in my own mind was exhausting just wow. to manage my mind. And I never thought that the things that I've gotten to do this last 10 years, my bucket list items, like in California, there's a place called Torrey Pines where it's like a giant kite and you jump off the cliff and you're so, it's called paragliding. And I was paragliding over Torrey Pines, over the the cliffs off this beach in the area. And then there's in one of the most beautiful parks in the world is Arcadia National Park in Maine glider plane. I'm in a freaking glider plane, peak fall foliage, just soaring for an hour, no motor, just in this glider plane over 
Arcadia National Park, amazing. There's a beautiful island, St. John, in um, the Caribbean. There's this one key called Bay, or like this little beach area called Trunk Bay. And it's one of the top 10 beaches in the world. Mm. And I'm snorkeling and I'm under the water watching the pelicans dive down with it and open their mouths and scoop up all of these fish, right? Like just helicoptering over the Caribbean, looking at sharks swimming in the blue, like paddle boarding in these remote off Andros Island, like all these amazing, amazing bucket list things that if I would have done what I longed to do for the first 40 years of my life, which is please God, let me die. Mm, right. I know. I'm like, this is coming from the girl who was couch surfing and scrounging for everything and, yeah. you know, sexually abused continually. And then look at you and you did it all on your own. Well, it is changing our languaging. It is changing the way uh, we think about things. I'm really working on my language. That's like the big thing right now. It's our story. And I call it, you know, the power of pretending. Uh, and I am just a huge proponent of the power of pretending because I spent so much of my life. What if catastrophizing, you know, what if, and then imagining, you know, the worst possible thing to go from that to what if positive, what if, what if the good stuff happens? Not what if the bad stuff happens. What if if the great stuff happens? right? Right. And then the older you get, the older I have gotten, the more I have seen divine intervention and grace. Mm. So now I don't know how, I don't have certainty. You know, I don't have a guarantee that something's going to happen or even who's going to give it. What I do know is that if this is meant to be somebody who knows who is going to come, the money will come, the situation will align itself, something will happen. And then I wait with great expectation to see. And meanwhile, I'm doing the work. You know, I'm doing, I'm doing what I need to do. But while I'm doing what I need to do, I hold in my heart this feeling of great expectation, just knowing that something wonderful is going to happen, even though I don't know the details. I'll change the language on the lowing to believing, knowing to believe, believing, because you're on believing. <laughs> Believing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I believe it. I know it in every cell of my body that this is going to happen. And Right, because it doesn't just really fall out of the sky. I know we say, and, and you believe, you know what I mean? But it's doing, you said it, doing the work. So the nonprofit, right? So the, the Stop Trafficking U.S. Yes. Uh, so I showed you my little she shed here that I have, and it just is my little... My little she shed with um, French doors put in and a big bay window. And here I sit, you know, along the shore of Sebago Lake by myself with my Labrador retriever. Blue is here curled up beside me on my right hand side. And it is amazing to me and humbling to me how much magnificence, whoever you want to call it, mother, father, God, Grace, God, what you know, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call, I just call it God. Yeah. Um, God, you know, God. Every morning, I ask how I can be of service. Mm. Uh, I don't ask what else could go wrong. Why aren't good things happening? How come the money's not coming? Or I don't ask those questions. I ask, what magnificence 
is God going Mm. to create through me today? And I'm a humble servant. How can I be of service? How can I be even more loving? How can I attract even more miracles? How can I do greater good? How can I educate even more people? How can I bring even more resources to survivors? How can I bring a greater understanding? How can I be a conduit of understanding? How can I be a beacon of love and light? How can I be a beacon of hope in this day? And then I just know that it's going to happen. And then I sit my fanny down and I do the work that I know needs to be done. And then it does drop out of the sky. (laughs) All right, then it dropped, but you did the work. That was so beautiful. (laughs) Wow, wow, that was so beautiful. Oh gosh, it got me going over here. (laughs) Right? Uh, Yeah, but it's true, it's true. When we talk about trading expectations for appreciation, (sighs) you know, there are, I have done good things for, I don't know, I'll just say Mary, Martha, and Meg. And so for many, many years, I've done great things for Mary, Martha, and Meg. And now I need something. And Mary, Martha, and Meg have what I need. And I expect that one of them or all three Mm. of them are going to provide for me. Okay. After all, I've done all this for you. And how my, what my lessons have looked like for me in this lifetime, not for everybody, but for me and my own path, the spiritual school that God has for me and the pop quizzes and the lessons that I've learned in this life is that Mary, Martha, and Meg never reciprocate. And that has been a beautiful thing for me. At first it was, you know, resentful, like, well, why aren't you? And I'm not going to do anything for you and, you know, all Mm. this stuff. And I went from that to, instead of paying attention to how my needs aren't being met by Martha, Meg, and (laughs) Mary, um, my attention goes to look how the universe is meeting that need through Nancy, Nicole, and whoever, right? Mm -hmm. It is amazing to me how my needs are always met exactly when I need them through the most humorous ways. Sometimes I'm like, God, you are, you've got the craziest sense of humor. So (laughs) I, I, I I was trying to, uh, so twice a year, there are two sex homes for sex traffic survivors in Maine. And I was trying to, you know, twice a year, I try to meet the needs of those two homes. Well, when COVID hit, I just wasn't getting people to buy the stuff on the Amazon list. Mm. And there was a guy from Idaho who was in the Ukraine adopting a couple little girls in the Ukraine. His wife and kids were back in Idaho and he's in Ukraine and he Facebook messaged me and said, Mm. Hey, my wife and I have been following you for years. And when we noticed that a hundred percent of the donations you get, you give to the survivors or to educate 100%. And I want to help you. How much do you need for all of the things on the list? Wow. Now I'm I'm pissed off because the people in my backyard, you know, my Mary, Meg, and, you know, (laughs) they're not stepping up, you know? Uh And these ladies need blankets and toilet paper and tampons and a pillow. And, you know, like they need stuff and right. And then 
Here it comes from a Facebook messenger from the Ukraine. <laughs> and that happens all the time. This training, one of the things that I've said for six years is that the same soul that lives in me is, you know, so I, I like to imagine, I, I told you about this pretending thing. I pretend that God is love. And what that looks like is that time that we were in love, that we were the happiest, that everything was right in the world. That feeling is the feeling of God. And it looks like the color of the sunbeams dancing on the water, those sparkles. Mm. It looks like that. It looks like when we blow bubbles and we see all the colors of the rainbow in that Mm. that translucent Like that's what God looks like. And God is like this infinite body of water, like infinite. And a drop of that water is inside every living thing. And we are Mm. not the ocean. We are not this infinite body of water, but everything that's in that water is in us. And that the only reason why we're not walking on water, transporting through time and space healing ourselves and each other is we just haven't learned that skill yet, but we have that in us because Jesus was our way shower. He did all that. His disciples did all that. We're capable of that. We just haven't got it figured out yet, but that soul is in everything. And that soul is love. And when a human Mm -hmm. being, a predator, a rapist, a child molester, an animal abuser, when a human being shows up anything other than love, it's because that human part is sick or broken or something. But what lives inside of it is pure and holy. Wow. We can have compassion and zero tolerance. We have compassion for the soul that recognizes itself. So yoga is trendy. Everybody does, you know, yoga. And they say this thing, namaste, and three quarters of the people don't know what it means. And namaste (laughs) is just a Sanskrit word that means the soul inside of me recognizes that you you have the same soul that I have inside of me, right? Where we are are truly brothers and sisters because our mother and father are the same, mother, father, God. And we are children of that mother, father, God. Everything that is in that ocean is inside us. So this is what I have chosen to believe, right? Mm. And whether or not- What we believe we become, right? Well, I choose to believe that because believing that gives me hope and makes me happy. And if I'm wrong, so what? Right? Right? It's not her. It's not that. And this is somebody who was, you know, born again, Christian, and it had to be the word. And I did, you know, two years at the Unity School of Christianity in Lee Summit, Missouri on on metaphysical interpretation of the uh, Old Testament and New Testament. I get it. But I choose to believe this. And in believing this, I believe in human beings. Mm -hmm. And I believe that if human beings understood the plague of the wildfire, the plague of child sexual abuse, because I don't think they get it. No, people don't get it. They don't get it. And if they understood the cause and effect, if they understood that because 
the children are being abused. This is the reason why we have kids incarcerated, we have kids dropping out of school, we have kids becoming promiscuous, we have kids who are groomed into sex trafficking, we have kids who are committing suicide, we have kids who are doing violence onto other kids, we have kids who are raping other children. This is why. So if I want to do the greatest good with whatever life I have left in this lifetime, the greatest thing I can do is to educate the human beings about what it is and put the pieces together. Back in the 80s, we had this thing that if you stared at this poster long enough, you would see a dinosaur, right? And then once you saw it, you couldn't unsee it. Yes. So for me, the greatest amount of dysfunction in a community, in a family, in a neighborhood, in a town, city, state, country, or world is like that, like that, like that poster. They just don't see it. And if I, if God through me Mm. can speak out in such a way that their ears can hear, their heart can take it in, then praise God, hallelujah, we can save some lives. Yes. We can give some hope to, to survivors. We can, we can do this. And so my mission over the last six years has been, how can I educate even more And last Mm. year I was invited, 2020, I was invited to the White House twice. Wow. Uh, I was invited to the White House to sit down and talk about sex trafficking. And then I was invited back for an event. I did a three-day conference here in Maine. And because of COVID and how the whole thing, just sort of synchronicity just happened, long story short, this March, through the donations that came in out of nowhere, right? There was enough money, thousands of dollars to hire one of the leading educational organizations, the Zero Abuse Project out of Minnesota. They are going to virtually train the state of Maine in a three-day training, one full day training for all the social workers and child advocates. The next day will be all of the law enforcement and prosecuting attorneys for the state. The next day will be um, all the educators. The cool thing about doing this back-to-back like this is that like the social worker day and the law enforcement day, they can see what each other's doing. Mm. So the the law enforcement can like jump in on the training for the social workers and go, okay, what are they looking for? How are they doing it? So everybody can be on the same page. Now here is the vision board. Here is like the having a goal bigger than you can, makes you want to throw up. (laughs) So what we're doing is because it came from my organization independent, the state of Maine didn't need to fundraise since they're not paying for it. They didn't need to have 35 meetings and schedule (laughs) all the training for three years from now. Right. It's happening in March. Here's the thing we're doing before and after surveys. What did you know before you had this training? What do you know after the training? Then we're taking that data and we're taking this to every state in the United States. And we're saying we want to offer the same free training for the state of Florida, for the state of Oklahoma, for the state of California. 
It's $300,000 to educate, do this same training in every state in the United States. Wow. Making moves. Making moves. Right? <laughs> right? Making right? moves and changing the world. How awesome is that? And so all these different states are going to be jumping in to see how we do this. Like they're watching. And this is just a, you know, when we can get everybody speaking the same language, everybody yeah. understanding the cause and effect, everybody like. Coming together, working together. together. Yeah. So this is a, COVID has been, has offered many blessings. And this right. is. That's so, typically how I, I, I've been wrapping up my sessions is what. What are some good things out of 2020? And you just laid all kinds of goodness out of 2020. So how can anyone who's listening, please share, share this podcast with friends. Let's get the word out there. But how can they find you? How can they help? What can they do? So the website is stoptraffickingus.org. And if you go to the resource tab, and you'll see faith-based organization tab there, So Billy Graham's grandson, Boz, and Victor Veith through the Zero Abuse Project and Shira Berkowitz through the uh, Sacred Space Jewish Organization, they created a template for policies and procedures for all faith-based organizations. We know that offenders go to faith-based organizations because it's low-hanging fruit. That's how Mm. they find kids. So if we want to save the most amount of children, we have to get Because just so you know, currently, none of the seminaries are teaching pastors how to deal with this. So Mm. they're not being educated. So if we can update the policies and procedures and have some rules, you know, the the Sunday school teacher can't do overnights with, with, with his or her kids you know, without another adult present, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So so they're all three lawyers. They created these policies and templates. It is my privilege to offer that to you free of charge. So you can download that. You can take that to your your faith-based organization. Wow. You can can do, that is something concrete you can do. You'll also see a video that I did a Zoom uh, interview of those people talking about, about it. So you've got the video there. You've got the template there. Let me know how I can support you. And you know what? I am not funded by, I haven't taken a paycheck in six years. Every penny that comes in and I tell people, if you think that the work that I'm doing is worth a cup of coffee or in your case, lemon water, <laughs> <laughs> then support it. You know, if it's you not mentioned my- the Amazon, you have an Amazon link. Um, that is a something that I do twice a year. So when people donate through Venmo, um, yeah, how, yeah, what, yeah, they, what, they can donate through the Stop Trafficking US donation page on the website. Um, on the website, okay, um, right. Um, and so, what happens with that is you can tell me where. So, somebody donated money. I'm like, oh, great, I have a survivor who who needs something, and she said, no, I want this to go to training, and I love that. So, my donators say, I want this to go for training. I want this to go for a survivor in need. And whatever it is you say, 100% of it goes to, you know, wherever you say. And I am a 501c3, so happy to give um, to give that way. And if it's somebody's birthday, if you could just, on Facebook, it says Stop Trafficking ME. It's the same thing. Um, I'm both um, Stop Trafficking ME and Stop Trafficking US. But if you would just do a, a fundraiser on your birthday, that helps. Every oh, little, every right, bit, yeah. Every little bit helps, so... Yeah. Gosh, well, Catherine Ann, thank you for being you. 
Thank you for what you do. Thank you for being in my tribe. I constantly talk about your tribe, who you surround yourself with is who you become. And I surround myself with people like you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so honored to have you share your story, get the message out there and just being you. (laughs) Thank, Thank you for this opportunity. I love connecting with you anywhere. Like I'll connect with you anywhere. I love you. But having access to your audience and bringing awareness to them, what a gift. Thank you for being that beacon of of understanding and taking that message and putting it out there. I appreciate you so much. Uh, Much, much love. And for those of you that are listening, I hope you stay tuned for the whole entire episode. And like I said, please, please share with a friend. Let's get this message out there. Let's change the world one person at a time. And as always, make it an awesome, awesome day. Thank you for listening to another episode of Believe It, Achieve It. I hope you enjoyed the episode and please feel free to share it with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review. If you have any questions or want to reach out to me, please send me an email at coachnicolewindley at gmail.com and have an awesome day.